Hi, I'm Rena Grove. And I'm Madhvi Romani. And this is Misinformed, the podcast that keeps you aware of feminist news and culture the easy way. So Rena, what are we talking about today? Today, we will be talking about the mob wife aesthetic. It is a TikTok trend that has surged, I think, since end of January. It's been very popular. And basically, it is a trend where women are encouraging you to dress, I think, like an early 2000s or late 90s mob wife. I think maybe like the era can't really be pinpointed. But it basically means leather, black, furs, gold jewelry. It's all kind of a little bit exaggerated and and, and glamorous and gaudy. I'm totally into it. (laughs) They were like, clean girl aesthetic is out, mob wife is in, and this like leopard print, the hooped earrings. I'm actually all for it. I love that look. I had to Google what the clean girl aesthetic is because I that passed by me. I didn't register that as an aesthetic because I feel like that's just basic people on the internet. What is it? It's like minimalism. I think that it's an embodiment of like the minimalistic trend that we've seen in furniture and interior design. So it's kind of like paying attention to slicked back hair, no makeup, makeup look, very clean, very... It's basically the opposite of mob wife in every way, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm really tired of minimalism. I'm really tired of Scandinavian looks. I think it's boring. Like, give me color, give me gold. It's also very classist. Mm-hmm. And very white, this like minimalism, this sort of clean surface. It just shows like a sophistication. And also everyone can do it. It's the Instagram look also. And I think the algorithm pushes this aesthetic, this lifestyle. It's classy. And in one of the articles about the mob wife aesthetic, they were saying, well, if you look at Succession, which is an HBO show, like The Sopranos, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. But this one is about sort of white collar crime family. Well, they're not actually crime. They they own a massive uh, media conglomerate. So crime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of, you know, like the Murdoch family. And there they're wearing like white t-shirts, but those white t-shirts are like a thousand bucks. But you have to be in the know, mm. like to know that that white t-shirt is a thousand bucks, you know what I mean? Yes, it's like quiet luxury thing that has been trending recently. You know, like when Gwyneth Paltrow was on trial, everybody was freaking out about her outfit because it looked like super basic. But if you know, says the internet, her outfit is like worth like 5,000 or probably even more, you know, so it looks super basic, but it's like really expensive. So this idea of like not advertising your wealth in a way that is recognizable to people who don't know so it's like even more exclusionary in that way and this goes back a long way i think it goes back in england you know you have the nouveau riche the sort of merchant class who came up and they were new money so they wanted to buy nice things which is a normal reaction for anyone who grew up poor so mob wives for example they are working class fundamentally and then they get a bunch of money through crime and then they're going to go and buy all the Dolce and Gabbana and all that kind of stuff and a lot of that aesthetic like first of all it's showing that you have wealth because wealth is power and you're just wearing you're like I've made it I should spend the money so I should wear head to toe Dolce and Gabbana whereas like old money doesn't show their wealth and this has gone back like forever and then there was a big question about like cultural appropriation here and whether it's there are a couple of things I think first of all 
is it cultural appropriation to dress like how wives of basically mafia people dress? And is it appropriate? Because actually, are you glamorizing or wearing a look that when it relates to feminism, like those women are super not empowered at all? They are often in violent relationships, they are supporting or upholding a patriarchy, they have no power, they're really, yeah, they might be able to wear Dolce & Gabbana, apart from that, they really... Used and abused, to be honest. Yeah, so, I mean, is this a good trend? It's like trad wife a mm. bit, but if you don't want to be a trad wife, like a traditional Catholic, you know, wife, like that kind of look with flowery dresses, it just looks a bit more... It's different in its aesthetic, but fundamentally it's the same thing, which is going backwards. It does reflect this, like, going back to conservatism and marriage and defining yourself in such a way. Whereas before, a trend was like, you know, pink is in the season mm. and you can just wear pink, however. But now this is kind of an identity that's being given to you. And a lot of people who were mob wives were like, it's not glamorous. Like, yeah, it's the DEA coming in and like in the middle of the night and raiding your house and like not knowing what's going on, not knowing where the money is, just being like a lot of things so it's glamorizing something that's not yeah i definitely agree one of the things that i do have to say i lived in new york city for four years and one of the things that first came to my attention when the mob wife aesthetic was like really trending was yeah like it's taken to an extreme but the majority of these women like you go to New Jersey or Long Island, there's a lot of women who dress like this who aren't necessarily mob wives, whether they are copying mob wives or whether like if you, when you live in certain areas, you kind of gravitate towards the same sort of style. It's confusing because also like in some of the press, they've written like, I don't know, Nicki Minaj has a mob wife style, but she's got, she's not a wife, like I mean, I think she is a wife, but she's, she's married, she's married but like, that is not her thing, right? No. <laughs> she, she does dress head to toe Dolce and Gabbana, but that's a different. And also, actually, a lot of the mob wife thing is, which is also why I like it, because I come from London and stuff, and the hooped earrings and stuff, that comes a lot from black culture. Yes. And also then the working class culture of, like, Naples and Italy and the women, the working class women in Italy, because Dolce and Gabbana and stuff comes from this kind of aesthetic. So the cultural appropriation is somewhere way down the line. It's not the white women who are upholding the patriarchy by being married to mobsters in New Jersey. Yes, I think that's definitely missing from the conversation. Because especially like in New York City, right, all this gold jewelry, the gold hoops comes from the Latina community within New York City, right? Like if you look at J-Lo, like when she was younger, this was part of her whole aesthetic. And so there's kind of a thing of like, well... A lot of the way you dress and act and behave is kind of stolen from a different culture. So I don't really know if you have the right to be angry about this here. <laughs> but it's the trad wife thing is interesting. So I started rereading Julia Ebner's Going Dark, and she has a whole section on trad wives. And what was super interesting to me when I was reading it was I then went on to the next chapter, which talks about ISIS, women who join ISIS. There is such a strong similarity between the trad wives and the women who join ISIS. Well, I don't think that's surprising because both are traditional. Yeah. Know? But to to think like, actually, this all comes full circle when what you were saying about the mob wives. But 
when she's talking about the trad wives, one of the things that she kind of notes is that there's this gender imbalance between men and women, specifically when it comes to like love and dating and that like men are really frustrated because she says this one thing where she says like, oh, like it's harder for a man to get a date than for a woman to get a date. And then she cites the statistic, which says like women get more matches on Tinder than men do. But then I was thinking, oh, actually having read Modern Love, that's actually incorrect because in Modern Love, they talk about how the way that men and women swipe on Tinder is different because men will swipe, 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 yes on everyone and then edit later, whereas women will take more time. So I felt like that piece of information was missing in her analysis. But then I was thinking, okay, so how does all of this relate back to the mob wife aesthetic and to trad wives and to like this like yearning for traditionalism? Because I do think that in kind of the society that we're living, I can kind of see how trad wives or jihadist wives or mob, you know, the the aesthetic, maybe not the aesthetic, but the idea would be kind of enticing because we live in this world where everything is so unsure. Like it's a catastrophe, like the economy is screwed. You have no job stability. Connections to people are sort of fading and, and then we're not really like being able to uphold relationships in the same way we used to be in friendships and connections and COVID just happened. So this idea that everything is kind of all right, like there's an order for everything. Well, it's not all right. You just have a strong identity and a role. And yeah. if you dress a certain way, that's your identity. Whereas otherwise, you know, our identities are quite fluid nowadays and we don't know we don't have a strong sense of ourselves within a community. Yeah, I think like it's a safe place to go back to marriage, back to all these things. And that also got me thinking about another trend, Stanley Cups. Yes. Which I miss this totally until a friend who is also completely not on the internet, he happened to know about it. And that's when you know you're really out of mainstream culture when somebody else points out the Stanley Cup thing. So the Stanley Cups... Uh, this is this massive trend in the US and then these big ugly cups I think they're like thermal and you drink through them like through a sippy straw or straw or something and they carry a lot of water and they look like big baby beaker things this idea of carrying them around and the sales of this again it's another tiktok inspired thing a tiktoker talked about it and it got like millions of views and the revenues went from like I don't know, 70 million to 750 million. That's how powerful TikTok is. And people started, I don't know, they had this recently as Valentine's Day. So they had the Stanley Cup collaboration with Starbucks. I think it was for these Valentine's Cups. People were queuing outside all night, camping out, waiting for these Stanley Cups. They were like this real Black Friday rush for them. And pe then people bought like 20 and then they're selling on eBay now for, I mean, they're already they're really expensive. They cost 45 bucks a pop for this ugly cup and then people were selling them on ebay for like 200 bucks or whatever and everyone has to have one and there is something like also safe about it first of all because it's infantilizing like a mob mm -hmm. wife is also infantilizing like oh i just carry around my personal support cup with a nice warm drink in it all the time and i drink it through a straw like a baby like have you heard of the concept of an emotional support water bottle? 
This is like a joke thing on the internet, which I think is true to a certain extent. I don't think it's a joke. Yeah. No, no. But I think that like people started off like as a joke, but I think it's really real. People have emotional support water bottles. I was listening to this really great podcast. It's called Polyester. And thank you very much, Marion, who listens to this podcast for recommending that podcast. Really great. But they were saying like generation, I don't know, Z or whatever we're on right now. Is it Z? Gen Z. Yeah, I think like Gen Z. Or maybe why they were even talking about, I'm not sure. I think the next one is Generation Alpha. Oh, Jesus. Well, whatever it is, the kids. (laughs) The kids, since COVID, you know, there's been this, like, move towards, like, wearing athleisure and comfort and, like, you know, going towards what's comfortable and, like, wellness and just, like, if you want to spend the whole day in bed, spend the whole day in bed because they can't really deal with the world. Also, COVID had a lot to do with this. And the, the cups seem to be in this like self soothing mm-hmm. mode that you carry around a thing and also that hydration oh somehow God. i mean water is a basic human right but it just shows how capitalism just takes everything and sells it back to you so hydration became like a wellness trend so it's like performative hydration is happening with everyone carrying around these stanley cups can i just say that drives me nuts the fact that like on the on Instagram everywhere people will be like, and don't forget to drink water, and don't forget to hydrate. Which like on one hand, yeah, drink more water, we probably are all kind of dehydrated, fair enough. But in consumerism culture, it's been sold as like the best kept skincare secret is drinking more water and all these things. And then you have actual doctors who on TikTok or Instagram will be like, listen, yeah, it's important for you to drink water because your body needs it. But there is no evidence that it'll make your skin better. There is no <laughs> scientific proof that any of this is true or any of this is real to the extent that the internet claims, right? But it's interesting because I think like the Stanley Cups and the Mob Wives, what they do is they give you a security that you belong to a group as well because this is your idea. <laughs> because like, <laughs> I'm just going to say your idea. I'm really sorry. <laughs> this is Rena's idea. I've appropriated it from her. Um, but. Because, like, we've lost our third places. Uh, we've lost our community. So our third place... So the first place is your home. Your second place is your place of work. And then the third place is another place you hang out. And that could be, like, a park, a cafe, a bar. Uh, Starbucks famously sells itself as the third space that you hang out in. And a lot of those spaces, apart from libraries and parks, have been appropriated by capitalism and that the internet then has become the third place where we socialize we find our groups we find like conversations we have conversations on there if you own a stanley cup you can find other people who own a stanley cup or other people who are into the mob wife aesthetic so the internet has replaced real life third spaces and it's within the internet you can find you know you find people who you follow whose aesthetics you like all of this sort of stuff and then you want to fit into that aesthetic so it's kind of performative mm-hmm. and you're not really interacting with them right but you you're not but you are kind of part of this group yeah as you were talking about third spaces i just thought of something so i work primarily from home now which means i don't even have a second space anymore and what third spaces do you have Honestly, like, I don't think I have a place I go regularly enough to call it a third space. Because I don't, like, have a cafe I go a lot. I don't have a bookstore I go a lot. I mean, maybe Edeka. I go there <laughs> a lot. That's a supermarket, <laughs> Rina. You c- okay, they have a good cafe in the Edeka near me, I have to say. But I reject that note. 
<laughs> I honestly, that's so depressing. I don't, maybe Obi, if I'm going to Obi a lot. No, Rina, you cannot put shops in this. That you, That's not how we play that game. I don't have any thirds. I don't even have a second space. I go to the office maybe once every, like, two weeks now. Okay, so your third place, though, then, or your second place and third place are then the internet. Yeah, 100%. The internet is my... I recently downloaded an app for listening to books, and it's really great. Not all books are on there. It's audiobooks. But now all I do is, like, listen to books while I do my chores. And at first I was like, this is so great. Like, I just reread, reread in quotation marks, one of my favorite books. It's a really short novel. It's nice doing the dishes, listening to the book. But then I thought about, actually, isn't this kind of sad? Because I used to sit down, make a cup of tea, put the blanket over myself, get out the book and read it. And now I've, like, optimized consuming a book. I've made it the most efficient it can be. It's no longer an activity I do. I'm like, oh my god, I can be so productive while I read this book. That's so sad. In this video by Mina, who talks about Stanley Cup mania and the epidemic of loneliness, we'll link to it in our newsletter. We have an epidemic of loneliness. Our friendships are not so strong because of productivity culture. Because, for example, before, if you asked a friend to drop you to the airport, that used to happen. Like, ah, you know, if somebody's got a car or something, you'd be like, ah, drop me to the airport. And then you sit in the car together and you're like talking. But now people think about that hour that they would spend doing something for a friend. That's an hour of their time, which they could use either for themselves because we've become more self-centered or also that they could spend on their side hustle or like productively hours divided up into like valuable time. And we have so much less time. And also now we have services like Uber or like grocery delivery and stuff which then take away our need to ask friends for stuff. If you're sick and like you want something delivered, like normally you would ask a friend, but now it's just like, oh, I'll just order it. So we're not relying on our friends anymore. We're not building those communities and things like that. And then as a response to that, I think these trends like Stanley Cups and Mob Wives become super blown up because we do want to belong to a community she also quotes this really interesting statistics that people are posting less, but they're consuming more from more different types of people. So influencers and stuff become the people that we are consuming stuff from and that people are posting less is because of the algorithm of social media. We don't post what we want. We post what the algorithm prioritizes, like certain aesthetics, beautiful, you know, like interiors or really good food shots and stuff like that. So we feel like we can't post anything like that because our lives aren't good enough yet. We're consuming everything from other people. So then if there is a trend, like a mob wife thing, we're like, ah, if I can just dress up like this and post it I can be part of that and I've got a right to then post and show myself mm -hmm. um, and same with Stanley Cups now you've got a reason because it's trending like to show yourself and put yourself into the conversation I think that's also why yeah man we need more friends yeah there was a dazed digital article about yearning culture and I don't know if you've seen One Day it's a book apparently and then it was turned into a movie I have not read the book nor have I seen the movie but I did watch the television show, which it's like a television, hilarious. The Netflix show. It's a limited series. It just came out. I can actually recommend it. It's it's not my thing. It's, that it's, stuff is not my thing. It's well told. And um, they did like a nice, they like added like in a layer of classism to it, you know? So it it's definitely looks way better than, anyway, long story short, I watched all of it in 24 hours. 
and then cried like a baby because apparently everyone else but me knew the ending. She dies in the end, spoiler alert, and apparently this is You have to say knowledge. spoiler alert before you do the spoiler? <laughs> spoiler alert, she dies in the end. And apparently everyone knew this but me. And then I was reading this article about how, like, we're coming back to an age where romance is really coming back into fashion traditional romance and i was thinking in conjunction with like the mob wife sort of aesthetic people are definitely yearning for something and they're yearning for a time when things felt simpler i'm going to put it in quotation marks but i think they were simpler because you didn't have as much information coming at you yeah you had six friends you would meet those six friends in the park once a week done (laughs) yeah you don't pick up your phone and you've got a hundred people telling you about their lives in like really fast succession. Yeah. You know what's interesting about that? I am still very good friends with my childhood friends. I just went to the wedding of my oldest friend in the entire world and she used to live down the street from me. Uh, in this video from Mina, she says like there are three types of friendships. There's active friendships, which are the ones that, you know, you meet all the time and if you've got a problem, you're going to go to them. And then there's like dormant friendships. I think I have that with a lot of my friends in London who I used to go to school with and stuff and they're dormant but I when I go back there mm-hmm. once in a while like we'll reconnect every so often and then you have commemorative friendships which are like friends you had a good experience with a long time ago but you stay in touch like on Facebook because that is a person that you does anyone use Facebook anymore I'm just like <laughs> I'm the only person right but you know what I mean they they're just like they're archived basically mm-hmm. But she said the problem is that now, though, on social media, on Facebook, oh my god, I I think I'm really the only person who uses Facebook. But <laughs> what's it? TikTok? I don't I don't know. I don't know about TikTok. I I can't with TikTok. Now, though, you don't have that separation. You just have all three of those, all of the people you've ever known, plus other people. Mm-hmm. You're connecting with them in some level in all the way. So then it just seems too overwhelming, and then you feel like you're kind of connecting to all of them. And then you've got like scheduling fatigue she says and there's no time like this yearning thing like there's no time to you know just sit around and read anymore actually she says that you don't have time to read anymore what I'm missing from her conversation though which I disagree with is like oh you know you have to do this this and this and then people are like oh I am so fried I can't sit and read anymore and I just think that's absolute bullshit Because I think you need to take responsibility for yourself. And if you want to sit down and cover yourself with a blanket and have a cup of tea and read, you need to take responsibility in the modern world to do that. Mm -hmm. And this tendency to go the other way, even with the Stanley Cups and everything, try and find like a security in things that are not a deep, good security. Mm -hmm. It's a personal responsibility. We're living in this world. Yeah, It's complicated, of course, and there are a lot of external factors. But what I'm seeing is like a tendency to blame the entire world, the world is on fire, blah, 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 for everything Mm -hmm. and not take responsibility for Mm. owning or analyzing the fact that your overconsumption, for example, is linked to your loneliness. That is a real problem. Yeah. And I think that goes back to this infantilization where you feel like, I think a lot of people are like, oh, we don't have power. Like that seems to be the dominant narrative, but like you do have power over your own life to some extent, especially in the West, right? So I think it's, yeah, she's also like, oh, nobody has any time to read anymore. But they do. Mm. They can. They can carve out that time. Yeah. I 100% have the time to read, but instead of saying, oh, I'm going to sit down on the couch, I'm like, oh, there's so many dirty dishes in the sink what if i 
listen to the book while I wash, Two Birds, One Stone, but I've just eliminated reading, which is silly. But going back to the yearning culture, because a lot of these classical romance also shows will be set in the past. So like one day is set between the like 80s and the 90s. You have Sex Education, which is a very good show on Netflix. If you haven't watched it, you would love it. It's very unclear when it's set, like it's so time ambiguous because the fashion is like 80s, 90s, but then sometimes they have modern day things. But it like this nostalgia feel, a time when things were simpler and better. It's definitely an emerging trend. And, and the 90s are back in, and that's, with the, back, yeah. and that's with the Sopranos. It is 25 year anniversary and like maybe the mob wife aesthetic came by because HBO is really smart at marketing stuff, right? But that was the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's something in the zeitgeist, definitely. Because in this podcast, they were also pointing out that Griselda has just come out. The show with Sofia Vergara, where she plays like a drug lord's wife. Um, I haven't seen it. I've seen the posters for it, um, but I haven't watched it. It doesn't seem... I don't really like that kind of show. Like, I didn't watch Narcos. I'm not that interested in that side of it. If you give me a documentary about a drug lord, I will watch it. That is right up my alley. Mm. But basically how there seems to be something in the zeitgeist right now about this aesthetic and whether it was something kicked off by HBO or whether it's just the natural cycle of, of human attention span. And so, okay, this is coming back into fashion. The 90s are back. The mob wives are back. But I actually think that minimalism has become an issue because if you have you ever gone into a kid's store recently no so you go into these stores and they're all these like you know they're very clearly aimed at a very certain demographic of people right and just everything is just beige there's no color but i think that's also maybe why we're getting this pushback because a lot of third places they all have the same aesthetic. There was another article, and we'll link it in the newsletter, about third spaces and airspace. Mm-hmm. Airspace is this general minimalistic internet, Instagram aesthetic where, you know, it's the Edison light bulbs. You know, when you go into an Airbnb before, you used to go into somebody's home. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, you know, they're all professionally managed and they just have those, like, Ikea, everything's, like, grey and, you know, a lot of space. And it feels kind of unlived in, but it's a third space. And you, you have quite a few places, like, in Berlin also, that it's, like, a blah contemporary aesthetic where wherever you go in the world, you see that aesthetic and you're like, I can go into that because that's familiar somehow. It's not specific to the location. It's Mm -hmm. airspace. And that's linked to minimalism Mm -hmm. in a way. It's not localized. It's not community-based. So like you can see it in Berlin, for example, like in places like the barn, right? It's new coffee. It's all white inside. It's all clean. It's got wooden benches and little tables. And it's just it's just white space. And like any tourist or anyone who moves to the city would feel comfortable going into that space because it's already familiar. The aesthetic is already familiar from them, from like the internet. It's this international, you know, you can trap people are moving a lot more. And so they're finding it hard to like fit in. And then where do you fit in? Ah, that space, that aesthetic, that internet aesthetic, but, but transformed into real life. We went into this coffee shop in Copenhagen, which could have been in New York City, could have been in Berlin. Could have been in Barcelona. Like, it was so boring. But it's comforting as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like always taking your sippy cup with you. Yeah. And that's why Starbucks works. That's why Starbucks is always full in every single city. You wonder because the coffee is terrible. Their ethics are terrible. But 
it's familiar and mm -hmm. you're somewhere else and you feel a bit anxious and you're just like, ah, oh, I don't know what to order, how to, but you know in a Starbucks, you know how everything works. And the aesthetic is like super familiar. Every single Starbucks in every single city, all of them look the same. same. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe because we're moving too fast from place to place and we're not rooted anymore, those are the, our spaces. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's always these internet trends, which like going circling back to mob wives, but even more where they'll make jokes. They're like, how to dress like a Copenhagen fashion girly. I don't know why I'm hating on Copenhagen. Or there'll be these weird videos where they'll be like, how to dress like this, how to dress like that. And and you're like, okay, you can see sort of like adaptations to like, yeah, the, the weather, right? Like it's colder here, it's warmer there. But in the end, they're all kind of dressing the same. And I'm not claiming that like I am a beacon of individuality and I'm not, you know, part of this in some way. But I do think that, like, at least the Western privilege world has gotten so homogenous in a really boring way. I say as someone who never wears color and has a great couch, fully a victim of this myself, obviously. And it's really interesting that you can go to London, for example. I don't think it's hit Germany, I'm not sure. But in London, the Stanley Cup is a thing. And, like, there's a big, there's some sort of vague internet vast community of people who have stanley cups i guess so it's comforting i guess because you see other people ah here they have stanley cups too and like yeah. oh i'm part of something but you're not part of anything it's just you've been made lonely by capitalism and then they're selling it back to you and also when it comes to like feminism most of these things are being sold to women what do you think? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or the stupidity of the trends or the, the polemic of the trends are being concentrated on more when it's women and not when it's men consuming it because men are taking more seriously. I'm not sure what the thing is. I, I think actually it's a mix of both, to be honest, because I do think that there's really silly things sold to men, but I don't think our society perceives them as being silly. So they kind of get a pass, you know, because when you think about football, for example, women get severely mocked for being fans of boy bands and, and spending all this money on going and the merch and crying over their, you know, favorite K-pop or whatever the celebrity yeah. is. Men do exactly the same thing with football, but it is not treated the same. It is seen as completely okay. Men will go out and, like, trash a city block if their football team doesn't win, where I've not heard of any woman doing anything of that sort. And they'll cry as well. And yeah. they'll hug each other and they'll cry and then they'll drink themselves into a stupor because they didn't get a goal. I think like with Stanley Cups, it's very feminized marketing. 100%. Um, obviously, Mob Wives is, like these trends. Also, women are on the internet or influenced by the internet a lot more all of these spaces also like interior design aesthetics are traditionally within the feminine space mm -hmm. so women are partaking in that more just because of how our gender roles have been separated 100%. and it's a complete con yes our next book for the feminist book club is we were feminist once and i think that's really interesting to see how like things are always being sold back to us and not in a good way yeah and not in a way that's useful or helpful and, and we should stop falling for it and that we need to take responsibility for i think a hundred percent also there was an article in the cart about the signing cups and like how kids are getting bullied if they get a knockoff one mm -hmm. because now uh because of the internet Kids know brands yep. and they know how to spot a fake one. Before, you could get away with doing like getting fake Adidas from like, I don't know, the market if you couldn't afford it and stuff. But now there's a real, you know, they are adopting this yes. snobbery 
And 45 bucks to spend on a water bottle? I'm sorry. Nope. You know you have, like, kids who are, like, 12 and under? I think the youngest one I saw was, like, 8 or something, who have Instagram accounts where they show you their skincare routine. Yeah, because the internet, because now they have all this information in YouTube, how to do makeup, what your anti-aging thing, they're anti-aging concerned already. Like, we didn't have all that. I can understand this yearning for the 90s where there was just no internet. It was great. And also, you were able at that time to understand how to form relationships and... Mm -hmm everything way better because you just you just had in person whereas this is all everyone's hiding behind their screens on the phone and and through social media and through products and they're sort of relating to each other in a new way Mm. yeah yeah, yeah. and forming bonds in a new way and yeah no wonder there's an epidemic of loneliness because the internet has taken away some of our ability to just sit in person you know, it's become the third place. And so we don't have the third place, which was just like used to be our garden or the park or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) So this week's three things. Number one, if you don't have a third place, maybe think about getting one that is a real space. And that could be like just having a hobby with other people, like playing cards or board games or, you know, a regular book club (laughs) a regular coffee meeting with friends at the same cafe not the barn so think too make sure to take care of your community and invest time in i think in-person meetups not just even necessarily third spaces but i think that like you know now we think of socializing as texting our friend even though they live 20 minutes from us so maybe just meet them for a walk or a coffee or something it's in this post-covid world I think we all realized how important seeing people is. So make sure to invest time in that. And number three, all of these trends like mob wives, Stanley Cups, it's consumerism, it's over-consumerism, super bad for the environment. The environment is connected to the feminist cause and we should be protecting it and consuming less. So if you feel yourself drawn to these trends, I would resist. And try and think about what's underneath that urge. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Goodbye. For all links to sources and further reading for this week's episode, subscribe to our newsletter, misinformed.substack.com. Email us if you'd like to come on the show or join our book club, misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed. And support the show via Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash misinformed.